by Rebecca Spencer. from almost the halfway line. Hello, everyone. Welcome to N17 Women, the only pod covering exclusively Tottenham Hotspur women. I'm Abby, for a change, back from my long vacation and right into the fryer with hosting duties. It's my first week back at work as well, so I have obviously been better, but at least I have Spurs women to cheer me up. Today, I'm here with Rachel, Caroline, and Sean. How are you guys doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Uh, enjoying the football and uh, hoping it's going to continue. Yeah, the football's been good. I had a nice weekend in uh, Brighton. That's also lingering kind of cold or something, so mixed. Yeah, lingering allergies here, um, but otherwise doing okay and just really enjoying the football that Spurs are playing this season. Have you guys considered that maybe we're just allergic to winning? Totally possible. Hopefully not, though. <laughs> I hope not. Is it a sacrifice we'd make just to be like minorly ill and keep winning? Yeah, you know, I have to say I have a little bit of a stuffy nose right now and it's not impacting my day to day. So I, I think I think I might go with yes. All right. So we'll start by covering the Brighton game. Uh, we'll obviously briefly talk about the rest of the WSL and we'll get to some listener questions. And then, of course, we will preview our upcoming match at the end. So let's get right into it with the lineup. Uh, we started with an unchanged 11, the same as Bristol and Chelsea. And that saw Becky Spencer in goal, Ash Neville, Molly Barchip, Luana Buehler, and Angara James across the back. A double pivot of Emelina Suminen and Olga Atunen. Drew Spence as the 10 and a front line from left to right of Grace Clinton, Martha Thomas and Celine Bidette. So what are you guys' thoughts on that lineup? And also particularly the fact that it's our third consecutive unchanged one in the league. It's really strange, isn't it? I got so used to everything changing every game last season, partly out of necessity, partly because we weren't playing well. So they were trying to fill holes and fix things. It's just a whole new feeling to have an unchanged lineup. And I guess we're going to get to that as well. But it's also unchanged, like every single time Jessica Naz has been the first sub. So it's not just that the lineup is the same, but then the sort of the order of substitutions is almost, not entirely, but almost the same as well. Yeah, I also thought it was interesting that we've had the same subs, um, especially since after the, the cup game, where we did see some different players. I, you know, kind of thought maybe one or two of them might make an appearance in this game. Um, but it looks like Robert is pretty happy with the players that have been getting the league minutes so far. Um, and so far they're doing, you know, getting the job done. So I guess we can't really argue with that. But on the plus side, I think having the unchanged lineup has really helped them to like continue building their chemistry and, um, you know, we're getting results. So can't really complain. Yeah. Like I said last week, I think. Um, it's nice to see that same starting eleven. seeing how we manage against the different sides might change a little bit once we've got a little bit more game time under our belt. And I can already see where there's some question marks over, is that the best lineup? Is that the best position for everybody to be in? Um, which we'll come to, I guess. But um, I think it is important to start off with keeping that eleven and, and having some consistency to begin with and then start to slot into that rather than making mass changes and keep changing I think that's going to help us as the season progresses. 
Yeah, 100% agree. And especially with previous reporting that like Vilham is looking, going to be looking to establish like a style of play and an ideology. I think that whatever he can do to make that easier is good with me. So yeah, opening stages of the game, we looked pretty all right, keeping possession, creating some chances. But of course, it was Brighton who scored first, and this will shock you, I'm sure, from Brighton's first corner of the game. The corner went to the near post, and Turland was hanging out right in the middle of three of our defenders, and she rose unmarked to flick it on into the net. It seems like our old nemesis set pieces may not be entirely vanquished. So first question, why are we like this? Well, my theory is that we just really don't have defenders who are particularly good in the air. And that really hasn't changed with who we brought in. Like we know Luana Buller, that's not one of her strengths either. Um, So perhaps on these defensive set pieces, we need to be getting some help from some of the forwards who are maybe a little more adept at, you know, movement in the air. And that's just not been happening so far, but yeah, it's, it's, it's an area of improvement for sure. Yeah, I was thinking maybe we had slightly resolved it because we'd done, there was a game in which we had a lot of corners against us. I think it might have been Bristol and we did okay at them, but we just looked so out of place in this one. There was a massive space for Turland and I was trying to work out who it was around her. I think it was Bula to her left and then Angered was the one who had best sight of her, but she was a little bit of a distance and another Brighton player came in front and I couldn't see I thought it might actually have been Martha Thomas who was also close to her so there was a forward there and it just we don't seem to be picking up players and her movement wasn't even that dramatic so I don't know why a near post header is something we can't defend Definitely. There's, I think in one of the other games, we had a couple of corners where it was Molly making a block on the line that, but those were far posts. So I think she usually stands in the far post area in order to make those blocks with Becky can't get to them. But yeah, work to do. I mean, it wouldn't be Spurs if we made it easy, would it really? Let's face it. So we, we've seen with the men and with the women, you know, we might be doing well, but we're not still not making it easy for ourselves. So early days, the what was important to me was the response from that. And I think as we'll see, that was in the right direction. So Yeah. And I'm wondering whether and this is gonna be weird coming from me, I'm wondering whether it's less of a our problem than Turland and Brighton just being very smart about exploiting the spaces between a zonal marking on corners because those three were not meant to be covering players. They were meant to be covering zones, our three defenders. And then suddenly Turland pops up right in the middle of them and none of them know which one is supposed to go to it because it's kind of right in between all of their zones. So I've been thinking like, yes, it was a simple run and a simple move, but I wonder whether that was just something that like was identified or like Turland realized in the moment. Um, so I guess let's just keep an eye on it and see if it continues. Uh, and then maybe one day we'll have a better idea of what's going on there. And it is worth giving credit to Terland, isn't it? She is joint top scorer with Martha Thomas at the moment. So she's doing something right. She scored against us early on last season as well. So she knows how to exploit our defence. 
Yeah, she's a good player for sure. I have definitely like looked at her work for Brighton previously with jealousy. <laughs> so yeah, after that, things continued much the same as they started with Spurs dominating possession and Brighton unsuccessfully trying to string together counters. Though I will say Becky Spencer dealt with the ones that did manage to sneak through quite well. Though there were some near misses, it seemed like we just couldn't quite make the connection from possessing the ball in dangerous areas to creating and finishing chances until we did. So our equalizing goal was really interesting because it was a little bit more direct than some of the other stuff we'd been trying. And I think that's pretty great because if knocking the ball around in your opponent's box isn't working, why not try something new? Basically, Becky collected the ball in the box and rolled it quickly out to Angarad, who played it down the line to Celine. Celine crossed into the middle of the pitch, and Drew fired a shot against the crossbar. And Martha, who had just missed a big chance about 30 seconds earlier, fired the rebound home. So how did you guys like that? Well, as I say, it's all about reaction, isn't it? And uh, and, and it was exactly the right time to be getting a goal as well on the stroke of half-time perfect um, time to be getting the goal back when Drew hit the bar I think we all thought oh but uh, great to see you know the follow-up coming in uh, and more players getting on the score sheet we do seem to be getting a few players on the score sheet this season which is good Uh, yeah just I just think it was perfect timing it felt like it was a fair reflection of the half to go in at 1-1 and yeah gave us that optimism for the second half and I'm sure gave the, the team the optimism as well. Yeah, it's funny. I think that Martha Thomas is one of those players who seems better when she's not thinking. So she sometimes, you know, she's had a few opportunities where she's been one-on-one or where it feels like she had a clear goal-scoring opportunity to take herself and she's been less good. But when she's got something like this, which is a rebound, where she's got something where it's just like an instantaneous reaction where, you know, her bum goal last week or her one the week before when she's like getting it from the um, goalkeeper spill, she just seems really good at that. And so I thought that was something that just, again, we're seeing um, because I think up until then, Abby, you're absolutely right that Spurs looked a bit toothless a lot of the time. So it felt like we were absolutely in control, but also not getting the job done. And there was a lot of, you know, I think our possession was something like two thirds, um, but we weren't playing those sort of final balls into the box and we weren't getting players behind them. I mean, I guess we have to also give credit to Drew Shot, which was pretty impressive if that had gone in that would have been even probably with Grace Clinton's the shot of the game but it didn't go in it hit the crossbar so thank god we got Martha who to follow up yeah I was already up out of my seat after Drew's shot because I thought it was going in um and then I just stayed up and celebrated when Martha cleaned it up so I think it's it is true that her goals have been pretty opportunistic so far but that's not necessarily a bad thing because, you know, we had lamented last season not having that kind of player, um, kind of like the Rachel Williams that we used to have um, to take advantage of those moments. So I think it's a good thing that she's providing a different dimension to our attack, even if it's not necessarily the most like reliable, I suppose, um, which I guess is kind of an ironic thing to say about someone who scored in every game so far. And I didn't realize she was joint top of of the goal charts so far. So that's interesting. Um, But yeah, I I just keep thinking that 
you know, these kind of scrappy goals are just classic Martha Thomas and long may it continue. I know she's kind of like, she's such a good replacement level striker. Like, I mean, maybe that's unfair. Maybe she's above replacement level, but like from what we've seen so far, she's just like, if you need a backup, like I honestly think she's who I'd want. I'm starting to think she's who I'd want there. Any final thoughts on the rest of the first half? Just to echo what Sean said, that this goal came at just the right time. Um, Cause I feel like we were able to kind of, you know, regroup at halftime and come into the second half with a little bit of momentum. So that was really important. Also, I don't know whether it was this half, but since you mentioned Becky Spencer, I guess it's worth giving a shout out to her for what Robert Villaham also noted after the game was just her, you know, her ball control and her willingness to turn attackers, which still massively scary. Don't always love watching close up, but she seems to have a new confidence and maybe his style of play is, and his, and his, I guess, encouragement of her doing that is enabling her to do it well. Yeah, I think, I think the world cup did Becky no end of good. And I think that's a large part of it. Um, You know, having, gone away and regrouped with a different team and and had the experience that she had she's come back looking much you know after having two seasons where she's admitted you know her her game wasn't up to the standard that she would want it to be um she's come back and is really looking on form and keeping that number one spot as well is going to be good for her and I think she's fully deserving of it so big shout out to Becky and and Again, long may it continue uh, as the season goes on because she has got that experience and we know she is a great shot stopper, even if we do have our heart in our mouths a few times when she's got the ball. Yeah, couldn't have said it better. I just love her and I'm so happy for her. And I love the pizzazz she brings, even if even if sometimes we find it scary. So let's talk second half now. Um, Brighton... I believe made a halftime change and it let them regain a little bit of control, but it wasn't quite enough for them to get anything else out of the game. Uh, then in the 63rd minute, Villaham substituted Drew Spence out for Jess Nads and suddenly we were back on top. We obviously have to talk about Jess who has just been absolutely crushing the super sub game for us. So yeah, yeah, let's do that. How good has she been? I mean, just, Jess back to the best that, that we've seen her, I think. Uh running at players, being confident on the ball, not being scared to to take to make those challenges. Uh just the the, the Jess that we love uh love to see playing out there. And I, I think um she'll be making a good shout for a starting berth. Um because we did look different when she came on, you know. I mean, and I think part of that was Grace Clinton um being moved into the middle as well, which also allowed for Ash on the other side to get forward. We talked last week about Ash's frustrations and I spoke to her off the game and, and she did acknowledge that, you know, that's, you know, a new challenge for her with Grace Clinton kind of always going into the middle and Ash not being able to get forward. So when Drew comes off and Grace moves into the middle, it's all of a sudden you've actually got two wings that are operating in the way that we know they can. So Jess was just absolutely great. And really, I think, you know, with her pace and her skill starting to look like the player that, we knew or that we hoped we were getting when we signed her several years ago. Yeah, I think Jess isn't just back to the best we've seen her, but she's better than we've seen her before because it's not just the 
the speed, but it's the confidence to take on players in multiple different ways and to keep going. So we'll get to it later, but the goal she scored was one where she just kept on going and kept on thinking about what next. And I'm sorry, not that she scored, that she gave the assist to. It's also that she's just that much stronger so she can withstand other players. She's happy to play down the middle or go out to the wing. And she's interchanging with the players, I think, in a much more creative way. On the other hand, in terms of whether that means she gets a starting place, she is such an effective sub that in some ways it makes it hard because she totally changes the dynamic and brings so much pace that it must be really scary for oppositions when she comes on in the 60th minute which is usually when she comes on about yeah I think that's that's a good shout because having her coming on against tired legs from the opposition has been really important I think in in a few of our games so far and I agree Rachel that her physicality has improved a lot this season because we're not seeing her just kind of you know elbowed off of balls the way she was in the past season but I also think her decision-making has really improved as well. And we saw that, I mean, I know I'm getting ahead of it here with the third goal, but um, re- you know, realizing that her window of opportunity to score had passed and making sure that she got that ball um, all the way back to Rhea. The first back heel pass didn't quite work out, but the second one did, and that's what matters. <laughs> yeah, and I was going to bring that up too because what I loved to see about it was that she so clearly had a plan Um and I feel like that, like her having a plan and being confident in it. And like, she knew she was looking for that cutback. And when it didn't come off the first time, she went for it again. I feel like that was something that I didn't really see as much from her last time uh, or last season. And I just feel that like, I mean, I obviously owe her a formal apology because I did not think she was, um, I did not think she was going to make the leap after last season. And now I'm like, Damn, I'm all on board the Jess cha- train. I'm eating my words like with a big dollop of whipped cream on top. So, hell yeah, Jess. You know what, though? I just feel like we're seeing improvement across the board, not just from, you know, I think Robert talked about this in his press conference afterwards. It's not just the young players that are developing, it's the returning players as well. And I guess, you know, we kind of had debated about whether Jess still counts as one of the young players. Um, Cause she's almost aged out of that bracket, but you know, just seeing the, the players that we had kind of hoped would make that leap in the past are actually now making it. And I think it, part of it is that there's this clarity of the tactics from the manager, you know, everyone's actually working towards a really defined goal. Um, I think that's why we're kind of seeing that from Jess and also from a few others as well. I think that's a really good shout because I was also thinking what you'd said, Caroline, about her decision-making and I wonder if it's just that when she knows where everybody else is going to be and can predict that and it's more reliable, it makes it so much easier for her to make the right decisions. It's still complicated and I still think she's she's progressed, but it is obviously also about what's around her. Yeah, well, you know, it's really hard to grow in an environment that isn't serving you and uh, like growing in an environment that does still takes a lot of work. So yeah, credit to the team and also massive credit to Jess for that. So Sean hinted at this earlier. Um, when Jess came on for Drew, Grace Clinton came into the center of the pitch and Jess moved out to fill the spot where um, where Grace was originally playing on the wing. And that effect was pretty much immediate, both in terms of Jess's fresh legs absolutely destroying Brighton's defense and in terms of 
getting grace on the ball in central areas and freeing Ash up over on that flank. And we saw the results pretty much right away. In the 65th minute, Atenin collected a throw in in the center and found Grace a bit farther up the pitch. Grace turned out of pressure and launched an absolute banger of a shot from distance. And that was that. We are up 2-1. Anything to say about that goal before we talk about Grace Quinton? I mean, it really did feel like it came out of nothing. I kind of missed it because my nephew was messing about with his coat and I had to sort him out. All of a sudden, everybody stood up and I'm like, oh, we scored. So it really did kind of come out of nothing at that point. Um, but, you know, sometimes you need that, don't you? Somebody who can just strike the ball that well. And it's interesting to see it, it happen once, once Grace was in the middle, which we know is her destination of choice. You know, that's where she wants to be playing is in that number 10 role. And, and Robert said that that is where she will play. But at the moment... He's using an excuse to put her on the wing, which I think is probably more down to the fact that that's where he likes, that's where he feels he needs her at the moment. But um, it was good to see her getting some effect in the middle there, and uh, yeah, and just you know giving us that that lift to uh, to to be in the lead was you know which again you know and it's it's, it's interesting that all the all the threat had come from Jess up until that point really when she came on, and then it was Grace who was able to actually put the ball in the back of the net so bit of a change up and just yeah just really good to see her getting on the score sheet as well and um bringing what I guess the Bristol City fans were telling us she would I think it's actually quite similar to what you said about the first goal Abby and that this was another very direct goal and it started with a quick throw in from Evelina where she didn't wait for Ash to take the throw which is obviously what happens usually took it got it over to Olga and then straight up to um, Grace and I think it just shows that mixing it up in terms of the speed with which we go forward is really helpful and so that's something that was kind of notable and obviously her goal was amazing she was able to take it on the half turn you know and get it in the back of the net all in one from distance it was really impressive I mean it's I you know I don't know if it's going to be the way that we score all of our goals because it's not necessarily the most reliable in the long run and I think it does continue the pattern that we've had up until the third goal here, really, about a lot of our goals coming from shots outside the box. And so it's, you know, which are low percentage shots, but we're still getting. So that says something about both our strikers' abilities to score those, but also it is something that hopefully in the long run, we isn't, we're less reliable, sorry, we're less reliant on. Yeah, I I think maybe the reason we're seeing more of those long range efforts being successful is that the technical level of our squad has raised this season uh, with some of the players who have come in. But I also think that was good to point out that the move started with that really quick throw in. And that was just another good example of the really instinctual connection between Evelina and Olga that we've already seen a few times this season. Um, So just really great to see them, you know, connecting and uh, just a beautiful shot from Grace. And I do think we're going to see her scoring more when she's in that number 10 role rather than out on the wing, because, you know, when she's playing as winger, she's really been more focused on facilitating the goals rather than taking shots herself. So. Yeah. So um, let's follow up on that a bit more with Grace Clinton central, because we kind of had a, a, a related question from one of our listeners, David, who basically, uh, Wanted to know 
why we thought we're currently using Drew Spence as the 10 instead of having Grace Clinton as the 10 with just Naz wide. Um, so, so why do you guys think that is? So I think it probably is to do with something that he said when he was talking in the press conference about why he was playing Angarad James at right back, which is that he was looking for players who keep the ball. And I think that he sees Drew Spence as one of those. And so she was, so he probably wants to play her there and also sees Grace Clinton. So I think that he, he both was looking at who was best in which positions, but I think he was also choosing the squad and has been choosing the squad on ter- on the terms of keeping the ball. And that is a reason to try and include Drew. Now, as the, you know, as time goes on, as we see more of Jess, as Grace shows that she can do more of that in the centre of the field, which I think, again, he hinted that he wasn't entirely confident she could. And she looked a little bit weak in that position in the second half when she came on against Reading. Um, you know, she was less impressive than she has been at other times. So my guess is that it's a position that she's going to grow into and she may not instantly um kick drew out of but who knows maybe over time we'll see more of this where she gets moved there in the second half whereas in the first few games she was being subbed off I mean we've also got kit there as well so I guess that's the other thing is you know and kit's come on and also played really well in these games so yeah it complicates it I also just suspect that you know, David here in this question suggested Jess as the natural starter at the wing position if Grace were to be playing at the 10. And I think perhaps Robert was waiting to see if he could trust Jess to fill that role. Um, you know, since we have seen her coming on just as a sub so far, like testing the waters. Um, although obviously she got to feature more heavily in the in the cup game. So I think that could be more of a possibility now that he's gotten a better look at her. Um, but like you said, Rachel, like Kit is also a really good option for that playmaker role. So it's, I think it's a good problem to have, you know, as opposed to seasons past where we were kind of like, you know, where are the goals going to come from? Who's going to create them? Who's going to finish them? And now we have some pretty decent to great options in, in all the positions across the forward line. I also wonder just whether, sorry, just jump in is that whether Jess, he also sees as a potential substitute for Martha because she has also played at the top there. So I guess it's that thing about the pieces, isn't it? Where it's clear that Jess and Kit are regularly his first substitutes and so likely to be the people who might be coming on into some of the roles should anyone else come off. But it's not clear yet where. Yeah, I mean, I I get David's point about Drew. I think, as as we've said before, she's one of those players that, um, when she's on it, she can have a really good game, but she can also go really missing in games. Um, and I do think, um, given what Robert said about about Grace and how he wants to play her at the moment, the ne- the you know that role is potentially kits for the taking. And she has come on and done. Re- and I thought when she came on against Brighton again, we went up again in terms of that creativity. And actually, she and Ros were linking up quite well um, at times. Uh, and we've seen her linking up well with Jess in previous games. So. I think obviously Kit is, you know, had a lot had a long time out injured and is having to prove herself again and build up her fitness and, and her sharpness. But I do think that I'd like to see more of her. Um and it will be interesting to see as the season progresses who is in that role because we have got so many so many players there. 
and I think I certainly think Kit can do a job there for us. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that Drew shouldn't be involved, but um, it's good to keep her on her toes. And I, um, and I know Kit from speaking to her afterwards is uh, gagging for a starting a starting berth as well. So it, you know, they're but all pushing each other, which again last season we just didn't have. You look at the bench last season and. You were, you were a lot of the time we were sat there going, well, there's not much we can do this season. If a player's not performing, well, we've got somebody else who can come on and do a job for us. So it's really exciting, I think. Yeah, suddenly we have like an embarrassment of riches in there. Like, what's happening to us? Um, and Beth England stole to come back. Oh my gosh, I can't <laughs> even think about it. It's too much. Um, so while we're on the subject of grace, I know this is a little out of chronological order, but we should talk about it. We found out on Tuesday that grace was called up to the England squad for the first time, the senior England squad, that is, uh, I'm curious what all your reactions to that were. Well, I think it was well-deserved for one thing, but I also just loved that she was so explicit and giving praise to you know, her new manager and her new teammates and helping her to reach that milestone. Um, I, I just get the impression from her that she really is a very hardworking, like team oriented player. So I think she'll be able to slot into the England team really well. And yeah, congrats to Grace. That's a great achievement. Yeah, always good to see. And we've been, you know, we, we've got Beth, who's sort of part of the England squad as well. Good to see some of our younger players coming through and, um, and also, you know, if then our, our players are um, are being watched by the England scouts and things, that gives you the option of other players kind of creeping into pictures. And and we know Robert's already spoken about Molly, so yeah, great news for Grace, and and hopefully um, that will just be the start, you know, of this the next step in our Lionesses takeover. Yeah, you know, I was actually workshopping my next unrealistic um, crusade, and I think it might be um, Kit to England. So, what, fingers crossed. Well, in his press release, uh, sorry, press conference, Robert also said that he saw Molly as a potential England player of the future. So, we could do that one. And obviously, I'd like Jess to follow because she's also been in England under 23. And if she continues in this form, then maybe she is you know, the next Chloe Kelly or something. And it would be nice not just to see Jess, which would be amazing, but also because England could do with a little bit more diversity and that would be not a bad thing. Um, but yeah, really happy for Grace. Um, also marginally happy that Katie um, Robinson was not selected. And obviously we've got longstanding issues and beef with Kate because she got selected for the first time when Ash didn't. And just following that game when we destroyed Brighton last year, and I think Ash, again, pretty much, you know, had her on toes down the wing this game. So, you know, I don't know. I've just got bitterness. Yeah, I don't know why I'm such a hater about it. But this came up like in um, in one of the Discord servers that I'm in recently. And I was like, yeah, like Ash didn't get in, but at least Katie Robinson didn't. We I'm never claimed not to be petty, right? Yeah, yeah. Like... I'm keeping that one. She's <laughs> just like, yeah, always Speaking of being petty or, you know, selfish, all that good stuff. Are you guys concerned at all that we're basically developing Manchester United's player for them? You know, it, it's funny you bring this up because when the news came out about Grace getting her first call up, I, I saw a tweet from a journalist and 
you know, her reaction was kind of one of how great for Manchester United that their player is developing. And, you know, of course, like no mention of Spurs. Um, so that that kind of is not a great feeling as a fan, you know, of a team that's that's outside of sort of the the top four um power echelon. You know, it'd it'd be nice to see the the work that you know our coaching staff has done to help her with that development um and not just kind of treat her as a Manchester United player this season when she's like obviously playing for us for the time being. But I have to say that yeah, I do feel more ambivalence than I did when Beth got called up or in my campaigns for other people to be called up because and obviously lots of time players don't stay at clubs for more than a year, but it's something about knowing that in advance that makes you feel less invested in who, you know, what they're doing. And especially as Caroline says, when the fact that she is on loan from Manchester United is reiterated everywhere, it, like, you know, it's even in the England call-up list, it's everywhere. So it becomes very much part of the story. I mean, I would say I'm less excited about her generally at this point but that's more because she's only been with us for a couple of games so I don't have that same kind of bond that I have with the other players uh, but from my perspective if she's improving our team uh, right now don't really mind what she does in a year or two's time because that's the nature of football if she's improving our team right now and we're getting something from it which we are then that you know that's great and who's to say she won't change her mind who's to say she won't love life at Spurs so much you know, she seems to be loving Celine and getting on with uh, Robert. And, you know, who's to say with what's waiting at Manchester United that she won't go, actually, you know what, Spurs is a better place. I mean, it probably won't happen, but it could. And she's improving us right now. And that's that's what I care about right now. I know I'm well, such a romantic that I can't help. But like, I'm already hoping that that happens. I see like one picture of Celine and um, Grace together and I'm like, OK, she's coming. Like, let's do it. Did you see that she called her her little rat when she was congratulating her? Which is like, I'm that must be a better term of endearment in Norwegian, or am I missing something? I'm gonna need more info on that nickname. Yeah, probably just a bit that they have. It's probably just a bit that they have. I don't. I I thought it was funny either way. It was very sweet. You know, though, I think going kind of off what Sean was talking about, it's it can still be a net positive for us if she kind of shows other promising young players across women's football that Spurs is a place where they can develop and thrive. You know, even if she does move on at the end of the season, perhaps we get someone even better that, that replaces her, you know, try to be positive. Yeah. I'm going to be happy that she's with us. Um, I'm still going to be happier if, and when Jess, Jess gets into the England squad, but I'll be supporting. Yeah, and we'll come on to this in a minute after we finish talking about the game. Um, But it does kind of show that players that the only option is not to just fester on the bench at, um, you know, your United City, Chelsea, Arsenal. um, And I think Grace is, is a perfect example of that. So, yeah, let's get back to the game. In the 76th minute, Spurs subbed on Kit Graham and Rosella Ian for Celine and Grace. Around this time, Brighton also subbed on the dangerous Tatiana Pinto. Uh, and finally, in the 90th minute, we introduced Rhea Percival for Martha Thomas. 
Just four minutes later, Rhea added to our tally of goals. It all started with Kit Graham releasing Chestnut to absolutely terrorize Bright- the Brighton defense once again. And she carried the ball beautifully into the box and held on to it after a number of challenges. And when her initial desired back heel didn't come off, she stuck with it and found Rhea in the center of the box anyway, who found the back of the net. Uh, I know we already talked about that, but it was so good. Uh, let's talk about it again. <laughs> Any other thoughts on that goal? Well, two and two for Rhea. That's uh, not a bad uh, <laughs> return on the minutes she's played, is it? And uh, uh, yeah, great to see her on the score sheet in a different way this way. And again, being in the right place at the right time. And again, showing the depth depth that we've got um, and, and you know, another player who seems to be happy to to be providing that depth on the bench and which is really good her experience and things we've talked about how much we love her uh, and so yeah just really happy to see her getting there and showing that experience by being in the right place at the right time again yeah it's funny because I have this perception of Rhea for some reason of being like the calm, experienced Ted, who's going to help us see out the game, you know, with our one goal lead. And she's like, no, I'm going to go and score because that's what I do now. So good for Rhea. Um, I I think, I still think Jess deserves like the lion's share of credit for that goal because, you know, she, she worked so hard um, dealing with what, like three different Brighton defenders um, to get that ball back to Rhea eventually. But, you know, Rhea finished the, the shot and that's what counts so that's it and I guess in previous seasons before she had her ACL she's been that box-to-box player and so the fact that she's popping up in the box on the 90 something minute makes total sense and now there's another player up there holding the ball and passing to her it's great so it is something that we know that she can do and it's great that she is one of the players that Willem seems to trust to come on uh, at crucial times in the game to hold things together and increasingly to score. So I like that role for her. I'd like her to have a few more minutes, but I like that she's still making stuff happen. Yeah, I was just thinking about how she was in like left back purgatory uh, right before the ACL uh, or maybe right back. I literally don't even remember and I don't think I want to anymore. Um, anyway, Thoughts on Villaham substitutions in general? Because now we've seen a few of them and there does seem to be some patterns there. What do we think? Well, it's essentially Jess. And then sometimes in the first game, we saw Azmita L come on as well, but not since then. And Kit Graham is usually in the next round. And sometimes Rosella followed by Rhea. And that's pretty much the pattern and he usually takes off, obviously, the more attacking players. Uh, in the first game, he took off Olga, but I think that was partly because she was just getting up to speed. And it's interesting that in the last couple of games, he hasn't taken off either Olga or Evelina. So they seem like they are, you know, they're not going to come off unless it's absolutely necessary. Um, you know, so it, he's obviously doing, he's got got a set of plans and that he's, keeping to them it's going to mean that there are some players who probably don't get very many minutes at all except in cup games because they don't you know it doesn't seem like he's going to go beyond that group very often well and I have to say all the subs that he's made so far none of them have made me like scratch my head or want to groan (laughs) like often happened last season so I 
you know, I, I think he's sticking to his, his plan. It's working. I, I would like to see a little more variety. And I think there's going to come a time in the season when the games start to pile up a little bit more where we're going to have to see more rotation. But like I said, at the beginning of this episode, you know, I, I'm okay with having this consistency early on in the season so that people can really solidify, you know, their role within the tactics and start to feel comfortable with the new players that are on the pitch as well. So I, I just have no complaints about it. Yeah, they seem to be pretty successful, don't they? And they do actually seem to do what we want to happen when they come on, you know, and, and change up the game, which is what you want to happen with those substitutions. Uh, I think I think at the moment there's a few players, obviously, who are coming back. So um, Ramona uh, and Ellie Brazil now seems to be in training as well. So there is a few more players to come back as well who are still probably not getting the minutes because they haven't had the time to work on these new tactics and these new ways of working. So we've got plenty more to come when we do get more congestion. But but as Caroline said, I think, you know, sustaining this, you know, the, the team for the time being, and then working those players in a bit more as we get through the Conti Cup. Remember, we've got, I mean, we've got Arsenal twice in a week coming up and things. So there's going to be plenty of time for rotation and, and, and giving other players a shot. I think one player that might come in soon is Zhang Yang, And she's obviously only been with the squad a very, you know, just a week and a half or something. But from how enthused it, enthusiastic Robert Villaham was about her and the fact that he said that he tried scouting her when he was at Hacken before he came to Spurs you know she's obviously a player who he sees as potentially really important so that seems like someone who we're going to see a lot more of in future games and I'd be interested to see you know what that means about who else he moves around and how she plays but excited to see that. And I just, I would like to have an extra sort of shout out to Kit, who I thought, you know, really looked strong in this game. So there was that moment where she was doing, where she just, it looked like, you know, she just runs with the ball and it just seems to stick to her. And I have no technical way of describing this, except she just has this ability to run through people with the ball that I just love seeing. And when she first came back from injury, she didn't seem to have that to the same extent. But by this game, it feels like it's back again. Well, you said ball sticks to her feet and I immediately thought of Musa Dembele. So there's that. I don't know. Any final thoughts on the game? Just, I think, a really good result for us. You know, um, we went behind, we came back. And we got three goals, you know, to make sure we we won it. It wasn't the uh, eight goal thriller that we had last season, but then I think it was a more you know more convincing win because actually Brighton were a better side this time, and we looked and our football was better. So just really exciting for moving on. Uh, a good marker against the side who should be up in that you know battling for that top six kind of role as the position as well, uh, and just got to make sure the wheels don't fall off season like they did last time we were away at Brighton. I guess can I just shout out again Evelina and Olga who I am utterly in love with in that midfield pairing it's just so wonderful to have two players who knock the ball about who come back and cover the defence who are creative as playing the through balls Evelina was on something like 94% pass accuracy and Olga was like 93% I mean it's like They've just 
really hit the ground running. And obviously they've got a little bit of familiarity from playing in the national team, but they haven't always played together. And this just seems, it's just, it is the absolute sort of engine room of everything we're doing at the moment. And I'm so happy to have them there. So this game was one where they really did seem to be in control again. And it's the sort of Evelina that we've all been dreaming of um, with her compatriot. So that's just amazing. And I, I guess just in terms of passing, it's worth also noting that, you know, we talked in the past about passing being Asha's weaker spot and her passing is improving. And I think that being on a side like this where that is really central and being in a more stable position is going to improve that part of her game and yeah all good yeah I also wanted to give Ash a little shout out because I thought she just had a very quietly solid game and you know it's a bit of a bummer that with her not being in the attack we're not really getting to see the full extent of you know her sort of flair and style playing but you know I think she just continues to grow every year with Spurs and, you know, it's been many years now. So it just, it continues to be impressive how she just steps up a level and continues to develop. So yeah, big up to Ash. And I just think it was good that we had this challenge to face of going down so early in the game and having to make the comeback. Like it was a good test of the mentality and, you know, a very important result in the sense that this is a team we're expected to be, you know, somewhat close to in the table all season. So very important to get the three points against them. Yeah. And I'll just add, this was the first game that I really like had any expectations for because I kind of was like, or maybe that's not the right way to say it. Maybe it's the first game where I didn't have any expectations for it because I I figured we'd probably lose to Chelsea unless they're you know, first week curse was really that truly spectacular. Um, And I kind of thought we'd probably beat Bristol, but Brighton was like, this is a true test. Um, And the first true test and next week or this weekend in literally two days, um, (laughs) we'll have another true test and we'll talk about that in a minute. But I, it was really like heartening to see the good vibes continuing from this game And I think it was Sean who said something earlier about the wheels coming off the bus last season. And I would also posit that it is nice to feel like the wheels are actually on the bus to begin with, because I'm not sure I ever felt that way last year. Um, And so it's nice. It's nice to have this one um, game where everything seemingly just like proceeded according to plan. It was cool. Yeah, last season was like a Beth England-shaped unicycle, I think, at the end there. So it's it's oh good God. to feel like we have a, a complete solid vehicle this year. Beth England unicycle. <laughs> All right, there's your episode title. No, I'm just joking. We can't do that. She's not even here. Um, all right. So after this week, Spurs sit fourth in the WSL behind Man City, Leicester City, and Chelsea. Uh Villa and Bristol City are yet to collect a point and everyone else is somewhere in the middle. This week saw Chelsea defeat West Ham 2-0. Leicester grab a valuable point against Manchester United with a 1-1 draw. Manchester City put five unanswered goals past Bristol City. Arsenal came back from 1-0 down to win 2-1 at Aston Villa in stoppage time. And Everton grabbed their first win of the season in the Merseyside Derby with a single goal. Anything that stood out to you guys about these matches? I mean, I think it's a really interesting set of results, isn't it? Um, 
Arsenal were were losing but came back, um, which I think helps us against Villa because if Villa were coming to us having beaten Arsenal, I think that would have been a big step for their confidence. Um, and Villa now are, whether they like it or not, not living up to the expectation that they would have had for themselves and certainly other people had for them this season. So that's an interesting situation. Um, Leicester grabbing a point against Manchester United is incredible, um, considering where Manchester United thought they would be this season. Uh, And it's difficult because at this point in the season, there's usually at least one of the top four sides who struggles with the start of the season and then gets back into it. And so we then end up with the usual suspects in the top four. But we've got a couple of them struggling this season. And I'm just hoping that we will start to see that that gap is narrowing and that, that we'll they'll can, for longer in the season there'll be a bit of a, a you know unraveling but also the Merseyside derby was interesting because Liverpool have had a really good start to the season and then they lost it so it's really um shaping up to be a really interesting season so i guess two things that struck me from this were relating to the predictions i had when we were thinking about this and one is i am i was wrong about west ham i think that they are doing really well they lost 2-0 to chelsea but they look good and it is a bizarrely attacking team and Ueki is playing well and um yeah Asai and um, Sissoko and it's generally Rianne's doing a good job there. So I am pleased for them. I'm not pleased that it's West Ham doing well, but they actually look decent. Um, And I'm revising my predictions about them doing terribly. And at the same time, the thing I think I got right is that Man City had a great transfer window because they are on song. And the fact that they hardly brought anyone in has meant that they really have kicked off this season more strongly probably than anyone else. And okay, this was against Bristol City and we also beat them um, but we got three in our first half and Man City got five in their first half and then kind of just cantered through the rest of it. And they've had to deal with three red cards already this season and have barely lost a beat. So, yeah, Man City looking a little bit threatening. Yeah, the only match that I actually got to catch any of was the Arsenal-Aston Villa. And I was very disappointed in Aston Villa watching the end of that game because... I, I just feel like they ceded so much control of the match to Arsenal and didn't even attempt to go and get a second goal. So that was just really disappointing to see. And obviously the headline from this game that's been getting all the attention is Beth Mead getting an assist on her return to play. Um, so good for her, I suppose. Um, yeah, that didn't sound very convincing, I'm afraid. <laughs> but yeah, I think it is. It's interesting to see Manchester United having such a struggle to start the season um you know obviously they they got knocked out of the champions league as well in the midweek and um it feels like a little bit of karma because mark skinner has really been extremely whiny this past week so i I can't bring myself to be sad for them for that either but it would have been so nice wouldn't it if arsenal had lost three in a row i mean sorry not lost they no they got one point didn't they in between yeah but it would have been really nice for them to have started the season badly enough that they looked like they'd lost any grip on the title. So I know it's good for us in a way that Aston Villa didn't hang on, but it would have been nice to see Arsenal lose that one. And they came so close and it was, yeah. For me personally, it would have been nice because I'm planning, still planning on making Arsenal and Fifth a long running bit for this season, but I don't think, Aston Villa losing give me any favors there, so I'll just have to, I'll just have to 
stick to my guns until I can't anymore. <laughs> Let's knock off a few more reader questions while we're at this. First, we have a question from a different David, at least I think it's a different David, and sorry if it's not, um, who says, what does it say about talent hoarding at the big clubs that Beth, Beth England that is, and now Martha couldn't get game time at their previous clubs, but are now scoring regularly for us? What other talent is languishing on benches? Hannah Hampton for a start. Um I mean, yeah, it does just seem to me to be ridiculous. And hopefully this is the start of players going, you know what, actually, I can get minutes elsewhere and those teams can, and I can enjoy playing my football with those teams and we can be doing well enough. Um, And I think we are starting to see that a little bit. Uh, You know, Martha Thomas was at West Ham and did all right there and got picked up by United and went to United and then didn't have have the time that she would have hoped. Uh, So, yeah, I think... I think the more players that do it, the better it's going to be for the whole league because it means that the, the gaps will start to narrow even more. One, because the, there are better players available to other teams, but two, because you know there's less depth at those big teams. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think Chelsea are the worst at hoarding at the moment, and they, within their undoubted dispute of champ, you know, wanting Champions League title more than anything else, they're trying to fill their bench as much as possible. But I do think it harms the game, and I do think. It's good for those players to realise that there's there's life outside the top four. I think there's also notably a lot of young talent that's not being utilised. Um, and I think some of them are starting to realise that it's more beneficial for them to go out on loans to, say, a club like Tottenham. Um, as we've seen with Grace Clinton, you know, not only coming to us this season, but also Bristol City last season in the championship. Um so I think I think we're going to start seeing some more of those kind of moves as well. Although, if we think about how what we were talking about earlier, by the time Beth comes back, we might be the team hogging forwards with, you know. And I think one of the issues is just the WSL has too few games. 22 games in a season is not that many. So you don't need to use the bench to the same extent, obviously last season being an exception when we had pretty much every single player injured. Uh, And then you do need to, but most times what you find is that for those big teams, it's only because of things like the Champions League and going far in the cup competitions that they can even barely get that rotation. And that's, for example, how Beth was getting minutes. And she was getting some minutes, just not that many at Chelsea. So... You know, the longer term issue is probably that we actually need to expand the WSL so that there are more games and that all, you know, as well as issues around the top four and how you manage those. All right. So next up, we have a question from Sammy, who says, how do we think we sustain this start? It seems a much bigger squad this year, which might help. Well, we did allude to that earlier that there will come a time this season when we have to start utilizing our bench uh, more effectively. But I, I just think the main way that we maintain the start is, is to keep the mentality positive. And that's something that's very hard to like sort of measure and it, it's it's not tangible, you know, like we would like it to be, but I do think it's a very important factor because we saw what happened last year with the morale you know, just continuing to tank with every successive horrible result. 
Um, so it's it's kind of a cliche, but like winning begets winning, and it's you want everyone to feel. At, um, how should I say this? Everyone needs to feel like they're involved, and I do feel like I get a sense of that so far this season. You know, the mood in the camp seems really good. It seems like the manager um, is giving everyone a fair shot to be involved in match days. And, you know, I think that's only a positive thing in the long run. I think also we need to remember that this isn't the season we're expecting to do great things. This is the season we're expecting to kind of consolidate what we have and to build on a pretty rotten season last season. And if you start to get too carried away with the results, then you start to put pressure on, which won't help, I don't think. You know, we're fourth in the league. Excellent. All good news. Nobody thinks we're going to finish fourth in the league. Um, but if we can keep playing football that we're enjoying, if we can keep seeing the improvement in players that we've got, I think that's what we need to hold on to. In much the same way as we're talking about in the men's game, you know, we might be top of the league in the Premier League, but nobody realistically thinks that's where we're going to finish. But we're enjoying the football and the women's team is the same. And I think actually what we want to want to sustain isn't necessarily like league position, but it's that that positivity that we're seeing throughout the squad and the growth and improvement throughout the squad. And if we can build on that and then have another season next season where we're building again, that's what we want because what we've seen in the past has actually been really, we've really differentiated between seasons. So we've had a really good season. We've had a really bad season, a really good season, a really bad season. What we need to do is maintain um, that kind of growth across seasons and be doing building season upon season and that's what I want to see and that's what I think sustaining this start is about yeah I think that's a great point and I'll throw in there as well I've already noticed way more men's fans watching the women's games and enjoying them and I have to put it down to the change in our style of play because literally nothing else happened this summer we didn't get any news out of the club like all that happened is we went from playing defensive suffer ball with an injured squad and players who seemed like they didn't know what reaction time was uh to playing like some pretty nice football and like yeah like I've seen people in a lot of the different Spurs communities that I'm in, like starting to tune into games. And so in terms of how we sustain this start, I think it's, you know, playing attractive football helps like getting more supporters, more fans, converting more people, convincing them that this is a team we want to be watching and supporting. It is Spurs after all getting people in the stadium. And then additionally, some like in the actual team stuff, like, one of our big problems last year was injury, like getting these processes in place of like, you know, maintaining fitness throughout the year, having this confidence that if like there's not one player in our squad that if they get injured, I think we'd feel like we're screwed. And so, yeah, like just building up those processes and structures like inside and outside of the team. And I think that's what's most important right now. Yeah, I think there are still a few players who if they would get injured, we would be struggling a lot more. And certainly maybe Evelina, Olga and Ash would be the three I would point to, as in there being a less obvious replacement for them. Although... Yeah, to be clear, sorry, to be clear, I meant that we need to work towards get that. Get to that, yeah, yeah. Have that now. yeah. Okay. Because that is because I have been thinking about like, oh, we're doing so well, but what if A, B or C like just disappeared from the team? And there's, you know... You can see, you start seeing the players who are not getting substituted. We could say the same, you know, Molly as well, perhaps. Um, 
So there are players where it's less obvious that we would manage well without them. So hopefully none of them get injured. I mean, hopefully no one gets injured, but especially not the ones who we would be really screwed if they did. But also I think one of the things we've been relatively lucky about this season is the run of games and actually having Chelsea first, it's kind of that just got done. And then we've had quite a lot of games and we've got another four games against teams who obviously at the moment Leicester are top and Liverpool are riding high but we would still maybe think of as kind of mid-table teams so you know playing Aston Villa, Everton, Liverpool and Leicester is again it just gives us a really decent run especially after Bristol and um, Brighton of games to get into a rhythm where we can you know, we can have a lot more of the ball where we can play attacking football. And so that by the time we get towards Christmas and we've got those games in a row against Man City, Manchester United and Arsenal, we've had that run in and hopefully our confidence is high and, you know, maybe we get wins in those as well. So I think sometimes the schedule is kinder than others. And this season, it's maybe not been so terrible. I mean, hopefully I'm not going to regret that, but it does matter which order you play teams in and speaking of which let's uh continue on by previewing our very next game so we face Aston Villa on Saturday away I believe um Villa as I said earlier are yet to pick up a single point but last year they were super strong and they've made some astute pickups in the summer so first things first do any of you have any idea what's going on with Villa so far so I think it's Kenza Darley's been out injured and Kirsty Hansen got a red card on the first game. And so she's been out. Unfortunately, she's going to be back. So since she was pretty much their player of the game when we met them last season, that isn't good news for us. I think also it's, some of it's obviously about, you know, bringing those new players in, upping the level. Um, I don't know. I haven't seen enough of their games. Maybe Caroline used to watch more of the Arsenal game that you can tell us about that one. Well, just the one thing I really noticed was far less attacking intent from them, especially closing out games, it seems like, um, which was, I think, very different from what we saw last season. But I, I honestly, I think it's just that now they're the team with the target on their back, kind of like we were last season after having finished fifth the previous season. Um, and they're, you know, you could either say they're getting found out or it's just that the the expectations are kind of getting to them a little bit, it seems like. So I don't know. I think they have too much talent for this bad stretch to continue too long. Honestly, like they, they do have some really great players. And, you know, in terms of our matchup, it kind of worries me that they've had this bad start to the season because they are going to be absolutely raring to get a win in this game. So we're, we're definitely going to have to be like on full alert and bringing our top game as well. But I think the good thing about the Brighton game from that perspective as well is that we've shown that, you know, we can go behind and come back. We've got resilience in our game. And obviously, maybe that's something that's lacking a little bit from Aston Villa. So, uh, you know, hopefully we can just keep pushing if we do go behind and and, and restrict them, their chances. Uh, I think there, I think there is something obviously about expectations of that fifth place. We noticed it last season and starting to talk about a fifth place curse for the following season seems to be something that is happening in the in the Super League. So it's difficult, isn't it, when you you know, when you're now the best of the rest, there is a, a 
something about that. And, you know, Carl Award's relatively new to Aston Villa um, and, and fitting new players in is never easy. I think I do still think they're going to be a strong side this season. Um, but let's hope that the uh, comeback starts next weekend, not this weekend. Sounds like a plan to me. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. How, I haven't watched them at all this season because I've been like on airplane mode, basically, when it comes to watching these games, only the ones that matter get through. But I'm curious, like, I'm interested to see how they do against like our now extremely possession based style of play. Um, and I'm interested to see how that comes together for us against the slightly stronger team we think maybe than Brighton was. So, yeah, what should we be thinking about this upcoming game? I think just continuing to stick to our game principles, you know, the tactics that have been working for us, relying on the players who have been getting it done. Um I mean, I, I don't want to see much change, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Um, and we know that we have international break coming up right after this game. So there's not a huge need to rotate the starting lineup. I, I honestly would expect to see it unchanged again. Um, and just making sure that we're being maybe a little more clinical with our finishing than we have been, because I do think that has still been an area of opportunity. Um, but otherwise, I think just sticking to the ga- the game that we've been playing. Yeah, I think we're still kind of testing ourselves out, aren't we, and seeing just how far this style of football and this team at the moment can take us. And so far, we've been doing pretty well with that. Uh, so this will be the next level up test, really, of a of a team that we want to be um, beating and we want to be in contention with, but who from last season's performance would suggest that they're going to be better than us this season. So it's that next level up Uh and it'd be really interesting, as I said, after these two games, I think we'll have a much better idea, that being Brighton and Aston Villa, of of where we are in the league this season. Uh, but as you say, with so many, with so few games, it's quite difficult then to kind of because anything then you go on and go, oh well, and then we've got Liverpool and Everton, and that will be a really good test from that perspective as well. So, uh, but by the time we've done that, we've played most of the teams. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I just yeah want to see us keep going playing how we're doing and seeing what, you know, being able to measure ourselves against the next level of opponent potentially uh, and not getting too worried. Like Robert says, not getting too worried about the result, worrying more about the, the, the performance, the way that we play, because that's what this season is about really. Yeah. I think definitely our subs have been more impactful than Villa's subs have been so far this season. So I feel like we maybe have that advantage in the final 20 minutes at least. Um, I think, as people have said, as I said as well, I think that their performances have, sorry, uh, that they're sorry that their um, results don't quite reflect Aston Villa's performances. They were very close against both Manchester United and Arsenal, and it was actually only Liverpool that beat them two nil. And in that game, Aston Villa actually dominated possession, but Liverpool were scoring on the counter. So. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And like I say, I think Hansen coming back is going to give them a level of control that they haven't had in the midfield for a few games. But, and, and I'll also be interesting to see how Rachel Daly does against Becky Spencer, because in our previous games, I think we've always had Tinney in goal. And obviously Rachel Daly is a player who really kind of presses goalkeepers. And so that's going to be an interesting one. So I'm not, 100% confident, but it's, yeah. Well, speaking of goalkeepers, 
I don't think Daphne von Domselar has had quite the start we would have expected um, after, you know, she's just been on fire, especially at international level previous to this season. So we need to be testing her. And I think we know that Martha is a player who's going to be really adept at, you know, taking advantage of any slip up that she makes. Yeah, I did. I I noticed that as well. I was actually, I realized that I forgot to say in our sort of roundup of the league is that Leipzig continues to be absolutely amazing at Leicester and has, is one of the reasons why they're so high in the table. Um, but anyway, that's an aside. Well, it makes sense not to like, I remember one of the reasons Leicester did so poorly at the start of last season was their goalkeeper was like literally so bad. Like, I like she was basically just chucking the ball in their own net. That was the only reason that we even, yeah, it, it was a whole thing. So that this is somehow like this somehow tracks with my mental model of like why Vester has been the way that they are. Um, but anyway, back to Villa, <laughs> back to Villa, back to the important stuff. Um, it's like I came off airplane mode and now all the stuff is coming out. Uh, let's do some score predictions. I'm going to say 2-1 to Spurs. I don't think we're going to get a clean sheet just because I think Rachel Daly is going to score, but I do think we're going to win this one. Yeah, I'm going to be uh, optimistic to go with 2-1 Spurs as well. Though toying with 3-1 Spurs, but I think better are going to be a bit more of a challenge, so I'll stick with 2-1. I mean, that is the scoreline by which they've been beaten most frequently this season, so it does make sense. It feels like that is right. I'm I'm so varying this part of me is like well you know in pre-season it was nil nil when we played Villa this summer but I feel like we're both gonna score so maybe it could be like you know a 2-2 but then maybe like we just have this sudden thing where we suddenly just score loads and so 4-1 so I'm gonna just randomly go 4-1 just to kick just you know mix it up a little bit even though statistically I think 2-1 is a much more likely scoreline Oh my gosh. Well, I can't end this on my prediction now. So uh, maybe I'll just keep it to myself and leave it on the four one. Oh no, you have to divulge. Let's hear it. <laughs> Come on. Okay. Um, I think that it's going to be two, two. And I think we're going to feel hard done by. Yes. I thought you were going to predict think... the loss the way you were talking. That's not so bad. I mean, coming <laughs> off of 4-1, we have to end it on a positive. I should have just gone first knowing that I just really didn't think that – I didn't think you guys were going to be so 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 positive. Said, on the thing is, if you'd have said 4-1, I'd have said 2-2. Because, like, I was vacillating between this. Like, I have – it is one of those games that I can't – you know, it's really hard to tell. Yeah. No, it's okay. I'm happy to take one for for the team here. I'll go two two. Um, you know what? Two two away from home, Aston Villa wouldn't be a wouldn't be the end of the world. Well, that's all for now, folks. Um, in case you forgot, you've been listening to N17 Women. You can find us online in all the usual places, and come on, you Spurs. Mm-hmm.